It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a great day. It's going to get a little bit better as we get set to close out the summer. The President of the United States is going to be in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The Vice President's going to be in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I think uh, the former Vice President just needs a day off to collect himself after actually going out in public yesterday. Uh, keep in mind, if you ever want to get the podcast, you can't hear the show live. Uh, you can go to iTunes, you go to iHeart, you can go to Pandora, you can go to Spotify. Hopefully you'll go to all those places. Ed Rollins at the bottom of the hour. Laura Ingram, fresh off an exclusive interview with the President of the United States, will be joining us from vacation to give us an idea of what she could expect in part two of the interview. And when she asked the president how she felt, how he felt about being told by the mayor and the governor not to come and going anyway uh, to Wisconsin, she's going to be discussing that. So uh, we have a lot to go over. I do want to take your phone calls, too. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You give a lot of money to Black Lives Matter. And it's sort of like paying your deeds or paying your, your money in church. Now you feel better about yourself. But do they track where that money goes, what that money has done for the African-American community? Do they ever track that or do they just feel good because they gave them money? Uh, Herschel Walker uh, weighing in on Black Lives Matter, the sentiment as opposed to the organization. We'll discuss it. Number two. I am not banning fracking, no matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. Would there be any place for fracking in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. No more, no new fracking. Wow. Reset 2020. Polls tighten and Biden strains to maintain his moderate Joe persona. The problem? We taped the debates. We've seen you when you were trying to get this primary nomination. And Kamala Harris, we watched you too. And we've been listening to you as well. We will play back even your late show appearance where you're talking about the need to keep the protest slash riots going. Number one. The governor and the mayor of Kenosha are concerned that President Trump's visit there may raise tensions again in Kenosha, given the president's recent rhetoric about law and order. Now, those protests in Kenosha over the police shooting of Jacob Blake have largely calmed down, but that could change as President Trump arrives to meet with law enforcement and tour businesses that have been damaged. Why would it? Why would that incite anyone when the president comes to see what urban unrest looks like up close and personal? President Trump heads to Kenosha, Wisconsin, despite an unwelcome mat from the governor and mayor. And his law and order message seems to be gaining traction with the American people. So much so, Joe Biden was forced to come out and speak about it. What the VP said, his refusals to answer reporter questions, and the problem he faces with his base and the actions of his staff. Now, keep in mind, George Floyd uh, dies. And the country goes into uh, civil unrest in New York, in Chicago, most of all Minneapolis. Now, the reaction of Minneapolis specifically and Seattle a little bit later and other cities has been to fund the police. They are the problem. 
Police reform started making its way through the House, through the Senate, then they don't meet. They just lose interest in it. But the problem was it came from the left. There was no Republican saying defund the police. There's no one saying that you have to get rid of the anti-crime unit in New York City. That was a Democratic mayor. The defund taking a billion dollars out of New York, that's a billion dollars from a Democratic mayor, took it out of the police budget. Minneapolis, same thing. Reimagining police in Los Angeles. They cut 300 to 400 million dollars out of the budget. So if Joe Biden doesn't believe that that's the right move, don't just come out and say, I don't want to defund the police. Condemn the cities that did it. That, to me, is sincerity. And if you do, guess what? The African-American vote, which has already been little by little going more and more to the Republican, not nearly enough to be respectable, under 20 percent perhaps, but it's going to the Republican. In this case, it's President Trump. You alienate the AOCs. You alienate the, the squad in particular. You alienate Bernie Sanders. But what you do is you possibly win over independents and undecideds. So you got to make your choice. So here, Joe Biden realizing law and order and not calling out the making the protest the story and not the riots, not acknowledging the problem in Portland, in Seattle, in Minneapolis, in Raleigh, in Oakland, in New York to a degree. That is a problem with suburban families, specifically women. That's why Joe Biden, who was perfectly content not to campaign, then he said after Labor Day, and then he came out yesterday to say, let's make it clear what I stand for. Cut 10. He doesn't want to shed light. He wants to generate heat. And he's stroking violence in our cities. Fires are burning and we have a president who fans the flames rather than fighting the flames. But we must not burn Does anyone believe there'll be less violence in America if Donald Trump is reelected? He keeps telling us that he was president. You'd feel safe. Well, he is president, whether he knows it or not. Joe Biden, Moore, cut 11. We've seen again and again and again of unwarranted police shooting, excessive force, seven bullets in the back of Jacob Blake, knee on the neck of George Floyd, killing of Breonna Taylor in her own apartment. Violence of extremists and opportunists, right-wing militias. Rioting is not protesting. Looting is not protesting. Setting fires is not protesting. None of this is protesting. It's lawlessness, plain and simple. And those who do it should be prosecuted. Listen, a couple of things. He never mentioned Antifa. He mentioned right-wing groups. The right-wing groups don't exist. A group called the... um, uh, the pay, uh, Patriot Group showed up. Uh, Patriot par- Prayer showed up. After 80-plus days in Portland, they showed up to have their presence felt. They watched three days go by in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and a group came up, showed up to protect Wisconsin businesses, not to take on Black Lives Matters, but protect the city that's being torn apart from outsiders for the most part. They know because law enforcement came and, and finally National Guard came in, but because— These governors, Democrat, these mayors, Democrat, won't allow police to do their job. That's why some of these groups have been mobilized. So he does not want to say anything bad about Antifa. Gerald Nadler doesn't even think he's a Democrat. Antifa exists. They say it's made up. 
and you want to blame Trump for the violence? Okay, if you want to put Trump Pump for the violence, you got to blame, I don't know, Barack Obama for Ferguson, Barack Obama for the Orlando shooting. Remember that. Well, let's blame Barack Obama for Sandy Hook. What kind of lawless country is he governing when psychos can show up at a school and shoot people up? Not one person I know blame Barack Obama. How dare you blame President Trump for what's happening in Portland, Minneapolis, and now Kenosha? It doesn't make any sense. And what happens is the American people have figured it out and it showed up in the polls. That's the only reason why Joe Biden showed up yesterday in Pennsylvania. And not to take any questions at all. I mean, are they that afraid of exposing him? Are they that afraid of what he'll say? There was already a huge one. I don't know, Eric, are you able to pull it? During the, during the speech, he totally lost himself again uh, on that one clip. And during the speech, he lost himself in the middle of it. And this is with the prompter, just 15 minutes. And he just went on. He can't add lib because he doesn't even know the copy. One thing about President Trump, he ad libs off his copy because he knows it. He has opinion within the information. So we'll get that in a moment. I don't want to take too much time away from Laura. A lot of you used to, uh, when Laura was doing a radio show, a lot of the affiliates came to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, Laura, have, um, I know a lot of you miss her, so to have her come back, her success on her primetime show is off the charts. And now she had the interview with the president, who has huge respect for her, and she broke a lot of news with that. So I want to bring her on, and we'll talk about Kenosha specifically because that's where the president's going today. And, of course, there's going to be people that can see this as November 3rd instead of September 1st, and will say, I'm going to have an opportunity to make this – Visit tumultuous, and we'll see. I, I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be great to go see law enforcement, see some of the damage. And in terms of the, the um, George Blake, fa- the uh, Blake family, Jacob Blake family, they're not going to meet with him. The president called up, wanted to get him on the phone. He couldn't uh, talk to the pastor. The pastor says, "If you come, if you talk to him, there's going to be a lawyer present." He's, the president said, "You know what? This is probably not the right time. We'll wait." When we come back, Laura Ingram joins us. Then inside this race with a man who lays it on the line. Yes, he's got a super PAC for the president, but he has no hesitance of calling out the president's missed tactics. Just as he was valuable for Mitt Romney and John McCain when they were running, that's how valuable Ed Rollins is. When he talks, both Democrats and Republicans listen. Both those guests and then you guys. And then we'll talk about Black Lives Matter. Maybe the sentiment is exactly how you feel. But the organization, I'm not too sure. If that money is going to the civil unrest that I'm seeing and the presence that I'm witnessing and the bats that are coming to these events and the bricks that are also arriving, maybe we should all rethink what kind of what we do for racial justice and where that money goes. Don't you think? Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com slash path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com slash path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The governor says he doesn't want you to come. Why is it important for you to be seen by the people of Wisconsin now? Because I am a tremendous fan of law enforcement, and I want to thank the law enforcement. They've done a good job. And when the governor says that I shouldn't come or he'd prefer that I not come, I'm the one that called him and said, Tony, you got to bring out the National Guard. Well, I don't really want to do it. Tony, you got to bring it out. And unlike your governor of Oregon that just keeps saying no, he agreed to it at least. Now, he agreed to a small number, but the small number was plenty. And that is Laura Ingram talking to the President of the United States exclusively last night. Part two will be today. You can listen to uh, and watch Laura's show every single uh, night, Monday through Friday, I should say, uh, at 10 o'clock. And she finishes up whenever she wants because Laura has that type of power. Laura Ingram, welcome back to what used to be your time slot. Uh, this is the Brian uh, Kilmeade hey, Show. Brian. How are you doing? I can't, I can't believe, um, first of all, it's so great to be with you, number one. Number two, I can't believe I did this time slot for 17 and a half years. <laughs> Well, the crazy thing is when you were doing TV and radio, the gap in between. Yeah. So you got to get ready for this show, shut it down, yeah. be a be a mom, live your life, no. and then go do your show. It's just impossible, right? No, it's, it's literally burning the candle on both ends. But you have you have a great uh, great deal because you got Fox and Friends, and then you can roll right into radio. So you've already done your show prep, yeah. prep on Fox. And Friends. Yeah, I got six it's hours awesome. to try to make sense. Sometimes it doesn't yeah. work, but. <laughs> So, Laura, you've interviewed the president before. You know him personally. Uh, you yep. made a lot of news yesterday. I know that because he was playing on every single channel. First off, no. on, on this question, he had no problem handling it. It doesn't, doesn't seem it takes it pre- he's taking it personal that the mayor and governor don't want him to go today. No, he, he just thinks, look, he's the president of all the people. He's not going to be prevented from traveling to uh, a part of the country that obviously is in distress. And that's what the Democrats always said they wanted in a president, right? They wanted a president who didn't care about blue states or red states, and it was just the United States. And that's his approach to this this current situation. And I think he he sees that it takes a very short period of time for things to get out of control. And he's tried to urge these these mostly Democrat mayors and governors to do the right thing and and make sure they actually you know call on the National Guard if it's necessary and. They don't do it, and then we see the results. And uh, he's been very common sense, I think, about all this. And I know the left is all, you know, they're all up in arms saying it's militarization of cities, but right now it's just the destruction of cities. 
I mean, what do you do? You want to stand by or do you want to take action? Either way, uh, he's going to have the same amount of critics. What I was surprised at, but not when you look at the details of the case, is Kyle Rittenhouse. Instead of saying, like most politicians, the 17-year-old who uh, killed two people, and it looks, though, by the video that he's got a strong self-defense charge uh, case, uh, you know, a lot of politicians say, let's just see how this plays out. But he is not. I mean, he's seeing there's a merit to Rittenhouse's uh, case, right? Uh, yeah, I think he's, he, he sees that it's a very dangerous situation in the country if we have people rampaging through the streets, wanton destruction, uh, violence, uh, beating people up. And they have, you know, they, they do it with impunity. No charges, no concern for law enforcement. Uh, and then when someone actually defends himself, Upon, upon a brutal, upon being brutally attacked, that's the person who becomes the enemy. Now, what does that say about our our Second Amendment rights? What does it say about our God-given rights to self-defense? If you believe you're in imminent bodily harm or death, which is what his lawyer said last night on Tucker, which I thought was a great interview. Uh, I mean, look again. I I'm, I don't want to come out and prejudge the case. I haven't seen all the witness interviews. This is what I used to do for a living as a criminal defense lawyer. So. I don't I don't want to prejudge this case, but I I am going to say we can't arrive at a place in our country where law abiding Americans who are who are trying to protect themselves and their property are made into the villains. If that's the case, we are going to be in for a really, really long and protracted period of of complete, uh, you know, chaos and and destruction, which I just don't think the American people want. Here is uh, Laura, uh, who, by the way, is on vacation today and still wants to obviously talk about this interview, and we want her to. Laura, here you're asking the president on where this could be heading, uh, especially in places like Portland. Cut three. Do you want your supporters to confront the no, left-wing protesters, no. or do you want to leave it to law enforcement? No, I law don't want them. I want to leave it to law enforcement. But my supporters are wonderful, hardworking, tremendous people. And they turn on their television set and they look at a Portland or they look at a Kenosha before I got involved and stopped it. Or they look at Chicago where 78 people were shot last week and then numerous people died. Uh, or they look at New York where violence is up by like, what, 150 percent. It's up by a number that nobody and people are leaving. They're looking at all of this and they can't believe it. So. He does not saying, I want militia against militia. I want voters against voters. No. Yeah, I think what he's, what he's saying is people, again, people have a right to be outraged. And he didn't prejudge the case, which is what, frankly, Kamala Harris did in her interview last week on NBC, where she said, well, I think there should be an investigation. But from what I see, he should be charged. Rittenhouse should be charged. Uh, so uh, come on. I mean, so the, she's, a, she's a prosecutor. She knows you can't do that. So look, you have to be you have to be careful uh, how you how you comment on these cases, because again, as we saw with the don't you know hands up, don't shoot in the Michael Brown case, that became an anthem, right? Of that entire protest in Ferguson, turns out it never happened. No one, it, 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 he never said hands up, don't shoot. That was just completely fabricated, uh, and I think we're seeing that in some of these police-involved shootings where a narrative takes hold. And then months or even years later, we find out what the real truth is about the case. And meanwhile, where does everyone go to get their communities back? Exactly. Laura, what are we going to hear tonight? Uh, Tonight, the president uh, is going to address uh, a lot on the culture, you know, the the cancel culture, 
Hollywood, why is there, why is there push up? Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Push to to enforce utter conformity ideologically in Hollywood. And also the Big Ten. You know, I'm a big sports fan, so the Big Ten uh, football cancellation. And why football especially at a time like this, actually really is essential and why, you know, why, why it's important that schools mm-hmm. uh, be able to open their football programs for these uh, young men who have worked their entire lives for this opportunity. So he chimes in on that, and then there's a lot more still on, uh, on all these uh, big issues from the election to COVID to uh, the riot. Right. So still got, still got a half of the show tonight on, on right. Trump. Laura, uh, we only had 20 seconds left. He used to do this hard break, but what you think? Was, does he feel optimistic? I think he's uh, he's very focused and he has his game face on and he's in the he's a clutch hitter so I think he's in a good place right now. And you've seen him up and you've seen him down, uh, but one thing about him, he keeps fighting. Laura Ingram, thanks so much. <laughs> Truly appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Have a great show. Congratulations on all your success. Back with the Ed Rollins guy in just a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. For the last 93 days, I've been offering to send, and as you know, they have to take the offer. They have to make, they have to ask to have help. I've been standing and I've been saying, anytime you're ready, we'll put it out What's motivating them, Mr. President? I think it's a sickness, actually. I think there also there's a fear. I watched uh, the way they treated this Mayor Wheeler when he was standing there. And I'll tell you how unfair the news is. NBC News didn't show that he was being shouted at and cursed at. And he ran, uh, literally, he had to run for his life because they were going to really hurt him. He had security. If he didn't, he would have probably... Well, they showed up as an apartment building over the No, weekend. no, how he can still stick up for him. I think there's a fear. I think he's afraid. So the president of the United States talking about Portland. 93 days. You saw the unrest in Kenosha. Four or five days. They finally brought in the National Guard. You saw the extended unrest in the no-go zone in Seattle. And the question is, what Joe Biden's trying to say, that's Trump's America. But is it? Uh, and if it is, what does President Trump do about it? Ed Rollins, GOP political strategist, currently co-chairman of the pro-Donald Trump Super PAC Great America. Ed, welcome back. Morning. How are you? Ed, the president's doing what he can do under the constitutionally, uh, short of the Insurrection Act of an all-out you know, overthrow of the country. Do you think that people, voters, undecideds and moderates, uh, undecideds, independents realize that? Well, first, I don't think there's very many independents. Uh, I, I shouldn't say independents. There, there are plenty of independents. The plurality of Americans are independents, but there's very few undecided. We're down to about 10% undecided, and that's what's going to decide this election. Uh, and my sense today is, is your point's a very valid point. Uh, for, for whatever reason, Portland has not been able to control uh, this riot that's taken place for 90-some-odd days. I mean, you know, you don't think of Portland as a city that's, a, that's, a, that's full of disruptors, but we're seeing that for 90 days. 
the mayor's weak. Uh, the, the police department seems to be have their hands tied, uh, and I think to a certain extent these these city mayors are, are concerned about bringing the federal government and losing control. But at the same time, they're going to eventually probably have to do that if it continues. So, and they were outside his apartment yesterday demanding he resign. This is a liberal mayor. Uh, the liberal mayor of Seattle, they, they were rallying around her house. They want her to resign. So you can't be liberal enough for these progressive rioters. So Joe Biden sees this, and I'm going to get your take on the polling, but must have saw some internal polling. Next thing you know, they throw together an event on Tuesday. And listen to what Joe Biden, well, uh, yesterday in Pennsylvania, and here's a little bit of his message, cut 10. He doesn't want to shed light. He wants to generate heat, and he's stroking violence in our cities. Fires are burning, and we have a president who fans the flames rather than fighting the flames. But we must not burn. Does anyone believe there'll be less violence in America if Donald Trump is reelected? He keeps telling us that he was president. You'd feel safe. Well, he is president, whether he knows it or not. So is that an effective speech and message yesterday? Well, it was to his base, uh, you know, and, and, and my sense is, Democrats have been giddy for months now, thinking they've got eight, ten-point leads in polls, and they're going to have a landslide victory. And obviously, that's not going to happen. Uh, at the end of the day, here, uh, it's going to be an extremely close race. Uh, it's going to come down to probably the, the closing days again. Uh, a lot's going to happen. Traditionally, campaigns don't start till Labor Day. This one seems like it's been going on forever. And I think, to a certain extent, you know, the, the president's got his base pretty revved up. He had a brilliant. Brilliant uh, uh, convention. Uh, you know, he was a little tired and a little lengthy in, in his in his speech, but the rest of the show was really depicted stories of America and stories of, of the people that support him. And they weren't these crazies that uh, that the media likes to lay out there. I mean, they're not uh, they're not deplorables. They're real people out there who are very concerned about the economy, very concerned about a variety of things. Uh, so I, I think I think. Beating a president is not easy. There's only been two of them in modern times uh, uh, that, that have been defeated. That was Carter, who was totally inept, and George H.W. Bush, who was very popular, but it was a third term, and he sort of undid a lot of the Reagan stuff, uh, uh, and a lot of the Reagan base um, walked away from him. He had the alternative of Ross Perot. So my sense is to beat this president is going to take a lot more than Democrats have offered. And it's stunning because they didn't think he had a shot, and you have everybody in the media and beyond, uh, furious that he's president and doing everything to make sure he isn't. So the Emerson, Emerson does a poll, and they, they take 1,576 voters from, uh, from August 30th to August 31st to ascertain the impact of both conventions. And the results are this. Uh, the, Biden leads by two, 49-47. How dramatic of change is that? Well, it's exactly what I thought it would end up being a little, a little earlier than I thought it would be. Uh, uh, you know, my, my sense is it's still an extremely polarized country. It's only going to be more polarized by the kinds of activities going to continue. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the one of the objections that I have to – we have too many polls. <laughs> and I say to people that I deal with all the time, you know, the, the polls are all over the place. And they're going yeah. to continue to be all over the place. And, and, and you put junk in it. And, and it really depends on how many Democrats you measure. If you measure a uh, five, ten-point margin in Democrats, which some of the polls do, then you're going to have that kind of, uh, of a margin of the polls. So you really got to analyze them. You need some expertise. Uh, and polls are should be a tool. Not it's not it's not a score. It's not like inning by inning, uh, which is how we're used today. And my sense today is uh, 
you know, the, 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 the campaign is, is, is right at itself now. Uh, it's got a good campaign manager. Uh, they're doing the right thing. The, the ads are better. Um, and I think to a certain extent, uh, you know, you, you've, you, you've got a president who's not controllable. He's going to do what he thinks is right. In a way. Pretty darn good. Pretty, pretty darn good instincts. Uh, right. Uh, and so, you know, my sense is these debates are going to be monumental. Traditionally, they, they don't make a whole lot of difference. But I think I think this time they can make a big difference. Uh, absolutely. And we'll get into that when it gets closer. But this is what's significant. If you're just listening to Ed for the first time, Ed, I had John three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, and you were a little distraught. They, they seemed rudderless. They didn't seem to have the right direction. Uh, the president didn't seem to have one message. We're in the middle of the pandemic where things started increasing in, in Arizona, Texas, California, and Florida. And you're thinking to yourself, and you just said it out loud on our show, you're not sure where he's at right now. So we made a change at the top. The ads did get better. And the candidate got more disciplined. And what you just said is interesting. You said the speech, he looked a little tired and it was a little long. True. But you know what he did, Ed? He read the script. And you know what he did? Read the the script. script. And he yep. he did he read the prescription. And I'm saying to myself, yep. that's very disciplined. And my, my analogy was, and I think you can appreciate this as a boxer, is that Sugar Ray Leonard was retired because of the detached retina. And he was done. And he's having lunch with Hagler. And he wasn't drinking wine. And Hagler looked at him. He said, he looks about 150 pounds. And then it was announced two weeks later that he's, he's coming out of retirement. And he wants to fight Hagler. And he said, man, and I saw the president reading the prompter as if he knew he was coming back. Like he knew what it, he knew people were telling him to do this, but now he knows. And I sense, despite some tweets, that the discipline is coming through. Well, you have to be disciplined. And, and, and the reality is, if this, as I said to you, if this would have been last February and the tremendous economy, yeah, this president would have won and won easily. Uh, the virus came along, knocked the daylights out of both the economy and the country, uh, uh, and so, and I, and I think it took the president a period of time to sort of realize, okay, I, I'm in a real race. Uh, I have some kind of a disdain for Joe Biden, uh, and and I and I've said over and over again, you got to treat Joe Biden as a serious candidate. Uh, uh, he represents a viewpoint of, of the plurality of. Uh, of Democrats in this country, and it's going to be a competitive race. Uh, he's not. He's not uh, uh, Mrs. Clinton. He's. He's. Uh, you know. So I, I think. I think uh, again, it, it's going to come down to a close race. I think the president's going to win it uh, now. I, I, I would have been a little more questionable several weeks ago because I wasn't sure if he was going to get this one. But I think he's going to get this one. I think he's going to do what he needs to do. Uh, they're raising money. They've got a good ad. They've got a good campaign now. Uh, right. You know, part of the problem, as I've said, you. Parscale was had never run a campaign before. Uh, it's not something you. It's like like pitching in the World Series. You don't put a guy that's playing a little league ball and put him in there and make him the starting pitcher. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, you got a real pro in there now running it. And, and I think they got some good operatives in there. And I think the president, most important of all, realizes he's in a real race and he's getting very disciplined. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. I understand that, and we also know this: to expect something we can't possibly have expected. Uh, and that's what, you know, no one thought the pandemic, not many people thought the economy would collapse. Not many people right. thought there'd be this uh, urban strife. But let's bring, let's talk about issues. So you have a candidate in Joe Biden who's saying the things to get elected, but there's indications almost, I'm being, I'm being trying to be fair and balanced here. There are indications he's going to govern nothing like he says he is because the people that allowed him to get this nomination are nowhere near the middle. 
and the squad has been quiet. Bernie Sanders has been grinning like a Cheshire cat. And Joe Biden is acting like a moderate, like he would have if he had been successful in the 80s and 90s, in the 90s and 2008 when he ran. So here's Joe Biden yesterday when it comes to the energy sector and winning in Ohio and Pennsylvania. You better like fracking. Cut 21. I am not banning fracking. Let me say that again. I am not banning fracking, no matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. Okay. Now, if Trump sits shoulder to shoulder with him and says, you're, you're going to ban fracking, he says, no, I'm not. Trump has got to know, even though I know he goes on instinct when it comes to debates, this is what he's got to have in his arsenal. Joe right. Biden running for the nomination. Cut 21. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. Anybody who could go down 300 to 3,000 feet in the mine, sure and hell can learn how to program as well. Give me a break. Anybody who can throw coal into a furnace can learn how to program, for God's sake. I'm talking about stopping fracking as soon as we possibly can. No ifs, buts, and maybes about it. I'm talking about speaking to China. Well, I'm not sure your proposal does that. No more, no new fracking. That's a fact. That wasn't dubbed. He said there's going to be no new fracking. He he told Bernie Sanders, I'm banning it too. Well, your point is so valid in the sense that he and Bernie sat down and worked out a platform that was acceptable to both of them. A thousand delegates did not vote for that platform, almost the exact number of Bernie Sanders supporters. So Bernie has said repeatedly, let's get him elected, let's get Trump out of there, and then we'll basically go control the environment. Uh, You take your vice president, who's the most liberal member of the Senate for the last two years, uh, uh, Joe Biden basically is not not what he once was. uh, And obviously the team that they get put around him, uh, I'm going to basically push a different agenda. And the key thing here is that you know what Trump's going to be. You know that Trump knows how to put the economy back together again. We're going to be facing a $26 trillion deficit and be spending $6 trillion a year by the time we're finished here uh, without any revenue near that coming in. And, you know, the whole, the whole premise will be how do you basically take money away from the world to do? How do you basically burden businesses? It's a formula that does not get the economy moving again. Trump knows how to get the economy moving again. That's the key here. Right, and he's just got to make make sure maybe a moderate would win the general election, but he's not going to be a moderate because he's he's an island of one. Right, right. And that will be the key. Um, uh, That right now, the president's going to be going to uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. It looks as though Joe Biden's next trip is to Minnesota. What does that tell you, Ed Rollins? Well, Minnesota's in play. Uh, you know, the state that I lost with Reagan in, in 19, which we've not won since 72, uh, basically is, is in play. And I think, uh, uh, you know, the, the Trump people have been saying that all along. I think for him to make one of his first stops there clearly tells you that it's a, it's a state that's very critical to them. And so, uh, you know, we now we now have 10 states that are in play. Uh, you know, you're going to see you're going to see nobody other than Mrs. Harris in California raising money. Uh, this is not going to be a West Coast. Uh, this is going to be a, a Midwest campaign, uh, and, I, and I think those ten states are going to be over and over and over again saturated by the two candidates. Uh, and Wisconsin is one of those keys. I said a long time ago, who wins Wisconsin may win this thing. It may come down to that state again. 
And uh, obviously, all the stuff that's going on there, we see it. That's why the president's going to be there today. Uh, and, and I expect, you know, I, I expect there'd be lots of debate, lots of discussion. But I think at the end of the day, uh, what the convention showed is that the media has painted Trump supporters as these deplorables, these guys running around and, you know, tattoos and all kinds of stuff. And the reality is the Trump supporters, as you saw, telling their stories the other night are small business people who are struggling, people that are basically the, the salt of the earth here in, in, in America. And, and I think they, t- they told the story very, very well. And, and a couple of things we always told. Debates don't matter as much, and the conventions are a big show. I think this is going to be the time that the conventions really move people. If you watched, you were pleased. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a bunch of people saying, I love Donald Trump. It was, let me tell you my story, and let right. me tell you how he affected me with a policy. It wasn't, this guy's such a nice guy, and he's always smiling, and he, he seems to understand us, and he gives great speeches. It was specific. And it will go back to whoever planned that four, four-day convention in four weeks will deserve a lot of credit if they could pull this oh, off. Oh, absolutely. And brilliant, th- brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I thought so, too. Ed Rollins, thanks so much. My pleasure. You take care, friend. All right, I'm going to lock out this hour in just a moment with your calls. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let me try to get uh, so many, some calls in here. MJ's in Fort Lauderdale. Hey, MJ. Hey, how are you this morning? Good morning. Good. You're going to Portland? Uh, no, my son, unfortunately, has to go to Portland. Why? Uh, my, my, son's, my son's job sent him to Portland, Seattle, Albany, New York recently, and uh, he just got out of the Marine Corps, and that's where his job sends him. And it's bad enough that my husband's a police officer, and I have to be sick to my stomach when he goes to work every single day. But here I am, never been a helicopter mom, and I'm an actual helicopter mom with my 24-year-old son, who's a former Marine, who I never got worried about. He was deployed for four years, and I have to make him check in with me when he gets to the, the airport, the hotel. He sits in his room eating Lunchables at Ramen Noodle. And when he was in Albany, there was actually a shooting outside, and he asked to change hotels, and someone had thrown a can at his rental car when he was leaving. But this is what I go through as a mom and a a wife every day uh, in my home for the past uh, pretty much five months. What does he tell you? Does he worry? He... uh, he, he's worried only at the states that they don't allow him to carry his weapon. When he went to New Mexico, he wasn't too worried about it. But when he went to Albany, he was really upset that he wasn't able to carry his weapon. The same weapon he carried when he was 18 years old. Hey, MJ, I'm going to add something else to you. Did you see the video of Brian Mast who lost both his legs uh, in battle? I'm not sure it was Afghanistan or Iraq. And he went to the Trump uh, RNC, the finale, and as he left out, all these protesters screaming at him, taunting him, as he walked out on two prosthetic legs, which he gave to the country. Did you see that? Yes, sir. Absolutely, I saw that. He He's a couple districts north of me. Uh, you know, I have Ted Deutsch as my guy, unfortunately. Do you believe but, he'd come no, back that, to Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, that, and he'd you. feel endangered? That's exactly what's going on here. You have people that are serving our country all over the world. My husband was a Marine, too. 
and then we have to come back and deal with Americans, the people Sick we're man. protecting. Well, MJ, I have to go. We're up against a break. But thanks so much for your family, the service, and I know your son's going to be fine. He knows how to survive, sadly, in America. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. All right, from New York and heard around the country, heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. This hour, we're going to be joined by Donald Trump Jr., in fact, in a matter of moments. And then we'll do a simulcast on Fox Business Network with Stuart Varney. It's going to be great. The President of the United States is going to be going to Wisconsin, Kenosha, Wisconsin, today for about four hours on the ground. The Vice President's going to be in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I guess Joe Biden needs a nap. Uh, he actually got out of the House yesterday, needs to regroup. But he's going to be going to Minnesota, which tells you a lot. Playing defense, when you only have a couple of visits every two months and you choose not to answer questions, but to go to Minnesota, uh, that says a lot. It looks like the numbers are closing and the internals say the same thing. Uh, quick note, if you're one of the 25,000 eateries in New York City, I apologize because you got some terrible news yesterday. This mayor said, I probably won't open indoor dining until there's a vaccine. How inexcusable is that? Jersey's fine. Long Island's fine. Westchester, fine. Rochester, no problem. Buffalo, go ahead. But not New York City. And they complain they're broke without any tax dollars. You can't have it both ways. He is, the, he's the, he is worse at his job than anyone else that I've ever met to ever do any job anywhere. And worse, he's lazy and he sounds like a communist. You'll hear about that in a little bit. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You give a lot of money to Black Lives Matter, and it's sort of like paying your deeds or paying your, your money in church. Now you feel better about yourself. But do they track where that money goes, what that money has done for the African-American community? Do they ever track that, or do they just feel good because they gave them money? Wow, that's Herschel Walker, Black Lives Matter. While the words work, does the organization... And what should those looking to aid racial justice and bring us forward be sending in? Should they be sending their hard-earned dollars to Black Lives Matter, who in many cases are right in the middle of these riots, especially corporate America? We'll take a look. Number two. I am not banning fracking, no matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. Would there be any place for fracking in a Biden administration? No, we would would work it out. No more, no new fracking. Unbelievable. Uh, 2020 reset. Polls tighten. Biden strains to maintain his moderate Joe persona. The problem? We taped the debates and Kamala Harris's beliefs. We've been watching and listening to you as well. And just to say someone is moderate uh, is to say and not to say they are moderate. Number one. The governor and the mayor of Kenosha are concerned that President Trump's visit there may raise tensions again in Kenosha, given the president's recent rhetoric about law and order. Now, those protests in Kenosha over the police shooting of Jacob Blake have largely calmed down, but that could change as President Trump arrives to meet with law enforcement and tour businesses that have been damaged. 
President Trump heads to Wisconsin despite an unwelcome mat from the governor and the mayor as his law and order message seems to be gaining traction with the, the American people, so much so that Joe Biden forced to leave his basement and speak out what the VP said, his refusals to answer questions from reporters, and the problem he faces with his base and the actions of his staff. And part of the reason is because his staff, I think 13 members of his staff, gave money to those people arrested in Minneapolis and other places for their riotous, illegal actions in these cities. And so did Kamala Harris's on her urging. Does that show somebody that's into law and order authentically? Let's bring in Donald Trump Jr. He joins us now. Uh, Welcome back, Don. Good to be with you, Brian. How's everything? Man, things have changed rapidly. Uh, how, uh, How much is it credited to the RNC? Listen, I, I think it was uh, a big part of it. I mean, Americans finally got to see something that wasn't warped through the lens of mainstream media that hates Donald Trump. They got to see Americans living their American dream. They got to see people who uh, you know, benefited from Donald Trump and his administration's policies. They, they heard stories, Brian, that could only happen in America. You compare and contrast that to the DNC, which was literally like a week-long I hate America Zoom call, and you see two distinct visions for a country, one that is unrecognizable, obviously, with the DNC, and one that shows the greatness of America, which was the RNC. I think people got it. People saw it. You know, People watched the DNC, and they didn't hear one person, not one person, condemn the rioting, the looting, the violence. I mean, uh, you know, by their rules at this point, it's okay for you to loot a store, but if you open up your store to feed your family, you're going to jail. I mean, that's the difference in this election. There's never been a bigger extreme. The, 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 the unique challenge here is Hillary Clinton, for the most part, said, this is who I am. This is what I'll do. Maybe go to a little left or where Barack Obama is a little to the right. But, you know, you knew who you were fighting. See, Joe Biden's portraying himself one way, but the belief is he's not going to govern that way. And that's going to be perhaps your challenge. For example, well, if you see— the, it's not but, the belief. That's what media is trying to sell to middle America. You saw yeah, it yesterday. He's trying to sell it. I'll give you an example. example. Was what he said in Pennsylvania, where yeah. in Pennsylvania, where fracking matters a lot, he's got no problem with it. Everywhere else where people are saying, well, I may not like it, he gets to run with that narrative. Exactly the opposite. I mean, he said on the debate stage that he's eliminating these things. It's on his platform. He's eliminating fossil fuels by 2030. That would destroy America's economy, whether it's Pennsylvania, whether it's Ohio, whether it's Michigan, any of these energy-producing states, Texas. Uh, that would destroy it. But he gets to run with the lie here, and then he runs with the other lie over there. The reality, it's on his website. He's getting rid of these things. Uh, but the media loves Joe Biden because they can paint him to middle America like he's a moderate. But you're not a moderate. You're not a moderate if you have Kamala Harris as your VP. You're not a moderate with Beto, hell yeah, I'm going to take your AR-15 O'Rourke as your guns are. You're not a moderate with the Bernie Sanders Joint Unity Platform that's on his website. It's the Green New Deal slash you know, the new, new Age Communist Manifesto, uh, and it's on his website. It's what he's going to do. But the media loves it because they can tell whoever is more receptive to whatever message, whatever they need to hear to vote for Biden, because the media is not media anymore. They're no longer journalists. They're just left-wing activists. Well, I want you to hear what Joe Biden said. Now, this is what the president's going to do. He's going to say, well, listen, I'm not going to get rid of fracking. I'm for law and order. I never for was to fund the police. Cut 24. You know me. You know my heart. You know my story, my family story. Ask yourself, do I look like a radical socialist with a soft spot for rioters? Really? 
So he's going to sell that. I'm a moderate. Of course he is. And the media is going to run with it because they know that that message is something that can resonate. But they'll never talk about the actual policies, which are the policies that the media wants, right? They are extreme left at this point. So he gets the best of both worlds. They won't fact check. They won't say, you know, really, Joe, you waited 90 days to do something about it. It's only when you saw Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon talking about how it's affecting you in the poll True. numbers that you got out of your damn basement, right? I mean, the other day he literally said, well, I'm going to come out. I'll do a rally in 10 days. In 10 days? I mean, 10 days on the political campaign? You're going to wait 10 days to react? I mean, is he going to wait 10 days if Iran does something to Israel? Is he going to wait 10 days to act when, when he's – I mean, based on his response to H1N1, the swine flu back in 2009, another thing no one talks about in the media, I guess they would wait 10 days till it's too late uh, and have a terrible response. But again, no one's going to cover it. That's why literally because of quarantine uh, and the lockdown, I had four months. I started looking at all of the years of Biden's failed policies. I wrote liberal privilege because people need to see it. I literally feel like I'm the only person – uh, you know, I'm, it's me tackling the mainstream media, their lies, their narrative, because people have to understand the full picture of Joe right. Biden. I mean, this is a radical guy that's been, according to Robert Gates, who was Obama's, not ours, Obama's Secretary of Defense, on the wrong side of every decision for his entire career. And we know General years. Mattis. General Mattis destroyed him. He basically said he was the reason. He went up to General Mattis. Went up to him when he was Vice President. He was in charge of Iraq. And General Mattis, it's in his book. You can go pull out the excerpts and say, listen, here's the problem. If we pull out now, there's a radical element here that's going to take over the country and threaten Baghdad. And he said, we're pulling out anyway. We're done here. So Mattis talked about the frustration, and he later said, I never want to play a role in a presidential campaign. I never thought he would run. So we know what he did with General McChrystal, too. He was part of—they were mocking him that got General McChrystal fired. They called him Bite Me. So this is his past. He's got experience, but not necessarily good experience. No, it's terrible experience. And that's the point, Brian. I mean, they're selling to the American people. He's going to be the guy. I'm like, I mean, in all fairness, like, he's had a 50-year head start. He, right. I mean, I, I, I've done this a couple of times. There's always a risk, right, when you do something like this. I've gone to people that are like, well, you know, I'm on the fence. You know, tell me why. I go, name a single— Joe Biden policy that's been the success for America. Name one. Um, huh. I go, you know, you'd think after half a century you'd have one if you want the American people to entrust you with the nuclear football, with the, your kids' futures. I mean, we're literally giving it to a guy that's adult. He, you know, he can't remember where he is most of the time. No one talks about his two brain aneurysms. I mean, he literally had two explosions in his brain that required brain surgery. And when he can't remember where he is, everyone's like, oh, that's totally normal. No, it's not. It's sad, but it's also scary, meaning I understand I'm yeah. empathetic I want to you people to that yesterday. go through these issues, but you can't give the nuclear football to someone because you feel sorry for them. That's the, not the way to do it. Let Donald him be Trump a grandfather, Jr., guest, but not the president. The name of the book is Liberal Privilege, and he's basically outlining what's in the book, Joe Biden and the Democrats' Defense of the Indefensible. But no one's talking about Joe Biden lost himself in his prompter yesterday. Listen. COVID has yeah. taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken— more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. More lives this year than any other year for the past 100 years. So that's not good. Um, and no, it's not. And it's sad. But, Brian, it'd be one thing if he did it once. He does this every day. 
Every well, now he has it because he stays in his basement. There's compilations like, that are hours long of Joe Biden, and you see the look of fear in his eyes. You know, He can't see where he's on the teleprompter. He forgets where he is. He has no idea what he was talking about because he's just reading it. He gets lost. You see that look of fear in his eyes. How is this gonna, guy going to make a game-time decision? How, right. how is he going to be so, capable so Don, of that? He, he's not. I, I've talked it's to you, sad. too, and talked to you. I talked to your dad a month ago, uh, the president, and and I said, Mr. President, do you think, you know, Bush 41 said, I feel like a failure because I didn't get my second four years. And I said, would you feel the same way? And he said, no, because look at the forces against me. He said, yeah. everybody literally is against me. And one of those mm-hmm. forces, and it's the tell-all books, John Bolton, one minute to National Security Advisor, the next minute. And by the way, one of our great guests, I thought he would do a great job, and I was wrong. Uh, and that he turns on the president. Uh, you have other people making comments who come out, General Mattis, when, yeah. when, after something. And then yeah. people like the tell-all books. And then you have Mary Trump, who I've never met but lives on Long Island, I guess, right by me. By the way, I've barely met. You know, that's the point. We haven't seen her, her in 20 years. And, you know, but she knows something. I mean, she writes about my father's childhood. Guess what? He was 19 when she was born. Like, it's not like she spent time with him that way. But, again, there's a lot of money in being against Trump. Uh, you know, for a guy like a John Bolton, yeah, I'm sorry, John. Donald Trump did not start 75 brand new wars that you and your military industrial complex guys wanted. Instead, he wants to get out of those wars. Now, I know you don't want that. I know that's your whole thing, but you got to follow the president's lead on this. The second you don't, now we're really upset. Let's hurt him. You saw when he wanted to pull more guys out of Afghanistan, they lie. And the, the, the New York Times and all of the Democrats and all of the warmongers and the neocons, they start leaking to the New York Times. Oh, this is weak on Russia. For an administration that has more sanctions on Russia than any in prior history, including during the Cold War. Well, I get you hey, fired you up, know, Don. This is unbelievable. Maybe yeah, that's you know, what happens I, the second you know, time no I talk to you. No one's ever going to accuse me of being low energy, right. Brian, but that's the whole point. I mean, I'm sitting there during quarantine for four damn months. I can't go to work. I can't go to church. I mean, I guess I could have gone and rioted and looted, and that's fine. I could have done that, but I couldn't go to work. Um, and but, so I sat there, and I started looking at all of these things, these years of literal incompetence, and I see the media giving this guy a total pass, things that if Donald Trump did would be total disqualifications, total disasters, things that would be world news. And I'm, you know, Hunter Biden, uh, you know, Jim Biden, the brother, you know, getting contracts to build housing in Afghanistan and you know Iraq and stuff like that. Like minor details. He's never done it before, but he should get billion dollar contracts from the U.S. government. I mean, imagine I did that. Imagine what would happen. The stories. But, uh, you but, know, it's literally insane. And so I, just I feel want, I had to take this on because the, the media's book, refused to do their job. And the book is really good. I find it really interesting because it outlines how different things were. Now, I would go back to if Kerry or Bush won, the country wouldn't have been that dramatically different. If, but, you know, if you have one when, uh, when Bush was running against Gore, we would have won a little left or a little right. But now it's severe yeah. left and there's no question. Yeah. But there are other forces out there. If it was, if it was the old-fashioned election, it was Bush to caucus. You know, it yeah. was Kerry against Bush. It was, you know, uh, even Trump was Hillary. Those two. But I'm just amazed at the amount of forces. And then I heard this tape by Mary Trump of your aunt, who is the president's sister. Cut thirty-nine. Tweet and the lie. Oh my God, I'm talking to Greeley, but you know. It, it, the change of stories, the lack of preparation, the lying, the holy. But he's appealing to the base. What, what were you thinking when, when that came through? 
Honestly, listen, you know, there's some jealousy there. There's some this. There's two people. You know, don't forget, they, they, they were suing each other for a while. So I, I see that also as family telling family what they want to hear because someone's disgruntled. And, you know, it goes to show you Mary's character that she's taping it. Uh, you know, it, that's the reality. You know, Mary writes a book, this tell-all book about the Trump family. I literally – I don't think I've seen her since my grandparents' funeral in, like, the late 90s. I literally didn't – she wasn't a part of the family, didn't make an effort to do those things. There is no knowledge. But, again, there's a lot of money in coming out against Donald Trump. Trump and saying whatever it is, and you look at the people who she credited with helping write the book, and it's like it's literally you know the never Trump factions of the left and the right, and anyone who can do it, and you know that's popular these days. The reality is this: Donald Trump has delivered for the American people. Donald Trump did that under unprecedented nonsense, more incoming than any president has ever taken before. Like, give him a chance to do what he does well. I mean, you're going to really trust it to Joe Biden? If Joe Biden knew how to do anything, he would have done it by now. If God, he could get God, something, you know, anything done, I, I, I would imagine that he would have done it in the first half a century, Brian. Wow. Half a century. I was negative eight when Joe Biden was elected to office. Wow, Don, you are fired up. But I'm just saying that I think even Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper would agree that there's more forces against you, your dad than anybody else. And that's why uh, to win an election again would be more remarkable this time than last time. The name of the book is Liberal Privilege, Joe Biden and the Democrats' Defense of the Indefensible. And uh, if you look at the polls, if you see the crowds, uh, watch the energy. The president's on a roll. Look out. Don, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Brian. Have a good one. (laughs) Back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Got a couple of minutes there. Uh, Don Jr. was really fired up. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, It was always great to have him on, though. Uh, let's go out to Crate in California. Hey, Crate. Hi, Brian. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? I'm a little upset with the NBA and the social justice moves by the players. Well, judging by the and ratings, America think, is. Yes. And I like to make a suggestion. I think they have an opportunity, but what they're doing with names, uh, messages on the back and messages on the floor, all that does is make them feel good, but it doesn't really move the needle. In America, I want to support them. And here's the suggestion they can do. There's one absolute. You have to listen to police in the field. You can't solve issues in the field. That's an absolute. It will always be an absolute. People have to listen to police officers, even if they think they're wrong. So, one, why doesn't the NBA players do a lot of PSA messages to teach young people how to respond to police with a message at the end, we got your back. Then number two, take their money, form a foundation. Basically, we got your back. And anybody who's in the field who feels they've been abused, mishandled by the police can call this foundation for support so they can investigate. Not bad. It sounds like you're really thinking it out. It would be great. Uh, But we should all know that instinctively how to not to run. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show is there a point is there a way where we can do something safely with indoor dining so far we have not had that moment i do expect pray for and expect a vaccine in the spring uh, that will allow us all to get more back to normal Um, But I I will absolutely tell you, Todd, we're going to keep looking for that situation where we can push down the virus enough where we would have more ability uh, to address indoor dining. What a clown. This mayor, we already have the lowest rating in the entire country. We have 25,000 eateries, and this mayor and the governor standing by. The governor, Cuomo, deserves some retribution in this, too. He deserves to be linked with this mayor. It's his state that generates all this revenue that allows us to have any of these services. And you think you're going to up taxes, and you're just going to find—and like they're doing in California? People are leaving for good. And these restaurants, and I know how hard it is to get a restaurant going. You work literally 100 hours a week. All you do is rotate that schedule, get more material, try to sell the best you can. Now you got to clean to the extent uh, that they never thought possible. And now you can't even open a vaccine before you open restaurants? Nuts. Maria, you're in the Bronx, New York. Hey, Maria. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. And I'm on Arthur Avenue, and all the restaurants are hurting here. Oh. Of course, the legend, it's a legend. Tell the country what Arthur Avenue is. Arthur Avenue is where the immigrants of Italy came. They saved their pennies and they built the most beautiful church. It's everything you want in Italian food is here. And the restaurants are the best. Right by Fordham, right? I'm sorry, Brian. Right by Fordham, correct? Yes, by the Bronx Zoo, Botanical Gardens, and Fordham University. We're in the center, close to everything. And they have destroyed it. This Mayor de Blasio and Cuomo, they're like, they don't know what's good for us. I mean, if you really remember, they're like, it's like Laurel and Hardy running the state. But at least Laurel and Hardy went out and got the March of the Wooden Soldiers when their people were in trouble. <laughs> These guys don't get nothing. And they're a disgrace. They're Italian. Shame on them. Don't give Shame Cuomo. Don't give Cuomo a pass. I don't give Cuomo a pass. After Cuomo turned around and lit the Empire State Building or the Freedom Tower for having allowed abortions to nine months, I don't give him a pass. You don't abort babies at nine months. I just can't stomach him, and it makes me want to puke. I love Trump. People hate the way he talks. I love the way he talks. And you know why? <laughs> because he tells the truth. He I, tells the truth. I hear you. Uh, listen, uh, the president of the United States is always selling, and he's always saying, this is the best, this is this. It's not that he's not telling the truth. He's selling. He's selling people that we're going to be the best. We're on the right track. You don't need people to say we're in the middle of a pandemic, the one that comes over every 100 years. Our economic uh, challenges are as great as they've ever been. He's looking at the positive, and people say you're not telling the truth. No, that's what he does. He markets, he sells, and he has an end game to turn the economy around, to bring the country's persona up, and to stop the pandemic. And they go, well, you're not dealing with the truth or you're not telling the big story. The big story right now, and I know it because Joe Biden finally addressed it, is unrest in the inner city and what some of these Democratic mayors and governors are doing to destroy the local economy. This all ends November 4th, I'm convinced. And people like uh, this great woman, I appreciate you call Maria, in the Bronx and these restaurateurs across the country that were told, go set up on the sidewalk or don't set up at all. 
It's just inexcusable. And that's why they're rioting in Zurich, in Berlin, in Paris, and in London, just to name a few, because they've had it with these politicians without any business experience, knowing that that their check is coming in, their influence remains, but they're torturing other people who have shown the way to work and live in the pandemic. Uh, Let's go out to Kansas City. Mike is there. Hey, Mike. Hey, I love your show. Thank you. Hey, you know, all these all these uh, mayors and governors and stuff, all these Democrats been kicking all these jailers out of jail because of the culvert. We got plenty of room in the jails now to put these rioters and all these anarchists and all these, pro- well, not the protesters, but the, all them people in jail. We got plenty of room for them now. Uh, yeah, uh, that's what you got to do. You have to show people there's, there's going to be hell to pay if you continue to destroy things, attack cops, hit them with huge rocks. You see some of the stuff that they're getting hit with? The other day in New York City, not to focus too much on this city, there was a teenager just walking through 44th Street, and he got stabbed by a shirtless guy with a spear. I mean, that guy is eligible to get out same day with this no-cash-bail system that's in New York. And that's what we're talking about. How do you blame Trump for that? How do you blame Trump for the 74 shootings in Chicago and for 83 days of unrest in Portland? How does Joe Biden say I've always been law and order when he's not condemning this unrest, condemning the fact that his own staff, probably at his urging, put money together to help bail these rioters out of jail in these other states? If you're not out there condemning and you're waiting four months to speak out, you would, don't say you're on the side of law and order. It's just not the case. And it's te- the president's in charge, but he's not an absolute monarch. This isn't, the, this isn't Vladimir Putin who's going to go poison the rioters and kill them. Or someone like – it's not China where they just decide to send the army in and start arresting freedom fighters. That's not the way they do it in Hong Kong for example, and they fear the same thing's going to happen. I want to go into another area real quick, and it's this guy's Kyle Rittenhouse. When I first heard this guy, 17-year-old, grabbed a gun, went in town and shot people, I thought, well, that's out of control. We don't need vigilante justice. After a few days of unrest like Kenosha has never seen and hopefully will never see again, he's a Trump supporter, but most most of all lives in the area, decided to come with a few buddies to try to protect shop owners because cops weren't able to and they only had 100 National Guard. And we see on video pretty clearly that he gets attacked, gets isolated, attacked, surrounded, and he was about to die, it looks like, or be brutally injured when he whipped, turned around his gun that they were trying to take from him and shot and killed two people. No winners here. But to put Kyle Rittenhouse as some type of wild-eyed vigilante, I don't think is accurate either. And finally, we heard his side. Here's John Pierce, his attorney with Tucker last night. Cut 15. This is 100% self-defense, Tucker. Um, Kyle, um, he's a good kid. He's a lifeguard. Um, Kenosha was burning down. Kyle actually took a first aid kit downtown because he was concerned that there would be wounded protesters uh, downtown. Um, And in fact, he took a firearm because Kenosha had become a war zone. Uh, Any sensible person would take that. Um, And him and his friends stayed on the premises and protected that property. Um, and then uh, he, some events started to unfold whereby he was trying to uh, treat medically wounded protesters, and ultimately he got trapped out on the street, out in the open, because the riot police uh, had moved the line 
far enough down that they were between himself and that premises. And afterwards, you could see it on tape. I think he's got a strong case while he's probably in isolation in there. Uh, I think overall, the problem is if you're 17, you just stay out of it, number one. And Trump says that to Laura Ingram. Number two, if you're going to not enforce the law, whether it's a big city or small city, Kenosha or Portland or Seattle or New York, why don't you expect people to stand up and take things into their own hands? People have pride and people understand right and wrong. And after a while, they just don't want to sit on the sideline and leave it up to somebody else. Joe, listen on WABC in New York City. Joe. Hey, good morning. Uh, if you recall the comments of uh, Portland, Oregon, Mayor Wheeler, yeah. uh, he said that basically Trump is the person who should be blamed for the divisiveness that gave rise to the rioting and the uh, anti-cop, anti-white uh, attitude in the country with regard to the minorities in the inner cities. And I have to strongly, strenuously disagree with that, because when you look ideologically at the Democratic Party, uh, they're the ones who are pushing identity politics on the public. And it's identity politics that's bifurcating American identity more than anything else. I agree. Dividing, you know, hyphenating uh, Americans into African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, uh, you know, and, and aggravating racial grievance more than anything else because it's a bankrupt party ideologically. You know, their economic policies have failed the country. Their foreign policies have failed the country. They're the ones behind the – uh, they've endorsed outsourcing of American jobs. Uh, they've endorsed all these endless foreign wars that Trump was against. Uh, so again, you know, ideologically they have they don't have a leg to stand on, and what they are pushing in the public is toxic. That's identity politics, and they're the ones who who are most to blame for the divisiveness and the atomization of the American public and the electorate. Thanks so much. I don't argue with you. I've never felt comfortable. Oh, suburban housewives, uh, men, white men without college educations, Hispanic men, first generation, and, and you say to yourself, wait a second, why don't we start with we're all Americans? When we come back, I go on with uh, Stuart Varney, Varney and Company. So, and then we'll take some calls on the back end. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Brian Kilmeade, uh, Brian Kilmeade Show. And I guess in five minutes, I'll be able to take some phone calls, open it up to everybody. But I'm going to be going on Stuart Varney on FBN. So you can see me every day on Fox Nation. So that's kind of cool if you have the app. But if you don't have the app, but you have Fox Business, you'll have a chance to see it. Uh, Stuart Varney's got the number one show on all of Fox, of not only Fox Business, but business television, period. And uh, with two things we've got to be talking about. Uh, Joe Biden continues to not take any questions after these events. I think he last time he did was 100 days ago. President Trump is not only taking questions from Laura Ingram, Jonathan Swan, Chris Wallace over the last three days. He takes questions every single day, wherever he goes. He doesn't mind. And I guess he signed on September 15th with George Stephanopoulos to do a town hall. He's going into ABC, uh, the eye of the storm. And Stephanopoulos is going to have material, research material on the president that he doesn't even know exists. So let me listen in and we'll, we'll talk to Stuart. Brian Kilmeade is with us, host of the Brian Kilmeade Show on the radio. All right, Brian, I want to talk Biden. He's out of his basement. He's campaigning. 
But again, he took no questions, just walked off the stage, no questions. He can't keep that up forever, can he? Well, I mean, if I'm one of those beat reporters and then I'm on with Stuart Varney, one of the first things I'll say is, here's the story, here's the press conference. Again, it's almost intolerable for me to follow this guy around and for him not to turn around and take questions. They would be skewering Trump if he blew him off two days in a row. Yep. Now, let's think about what Donald, Donald Trump's done. Jonathan Swan, tough interview from Axios. Chris Wallace, extremely tough interview from Fox News. You've met him at the Christmas party. Uh, Laura Ingram had a very good interview with him last night. All the people he meets with on a regular basis, whether it's in the Oval Office with a dignitary next to him or walking out to Marine One. And Joe Biden's getting a pass. But here's what happens, Stuart. The polls are closing. And he not only has to not make a mistake, he's got to make some progress. And to do that, you've got to introduce policies and open it up to the Q&A. And the one person that's going to have a huge advantage if this continues is President Trump. Because come debate time, this guy is going to be like an untested guy who never went to training camp and is asked to play against the New England Patriots in week one. Unbelievable. Uh, next case, I want your reaction to Stephen Moore. He was on the show yesterday describing his encounter with a violent mob outside the White House last week. Hold on, Brian. Just listen to Stephen Moore. Roll it. Instantly, a couple of people, I think, recognized me, probably from your show, Stuart. And they came up to me and in a very menacing way. Now, Stuart, I want to be clear. I was not assaulted. Uh, I, you know, I was afraid. They kind of surrounded me and they were you know, shouting obscenities, you effing pig, and that kind of thing. Uh, he was spat upon, by the way, Brian. What do you have to say about this? I, I, look, I think it's absolutely appalling that it's come to this in America. Somebody's going to get hurt. Uh, Steve Moore is a great guy. Uh, and so is Dan Bongino. Yep. And so is Brian Mast, who lost yep. both his legs in fighting wars for our country. And so is Rand Paul. I don't agree with them on everything. They don't agree with me on everything. I never get to the point where I, I want to fight them. I don't want to fight these people. But guess what happens? Dan Bongino is literally cut out of stone. That's how strong he is and how experienced he is. But when these guys get around you, and some of them are women, by the way, and they get around you to such great numbers, and you're usually with somebody else, like in this Dan Bongino's case, his wife, and then Stephen Moore, you, know, you, you have to keep walking and absorb it. But what I think it does, Stuart, in the long run, it galvanizes people to keep their opinions to themselves and galvanizes them to vote in a way because everyone's got pride. Do you think that those people that surrounded Stephen Moore are going to change Stephen Moore's vote? Vote? Do you think they're going to change Dan Bongino's vote, Brian Mass' vote, or Rand Paul? Not only are they going to vote that way, I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, what would I do in that situation? You know, I, I can empathize more with Stephen Moore than I can the angry mob, the cowards with masks, not because they want to stay safe, it's because they don't want to be recognized, who dress in all black and get payments from some shady source and show up in all these different cities where people like me and you are in order to maybe change our point of view and try to intimidate. Uh, but we have pride. We're not going to be intimidated. Stephen Moore is not going to change his mind. They wish they had a fraction of the education and experience that he had in his life uh, and had a fraction of his happiness and success, and they'll never achieve any of it. They'll have their moment in their stocking caps, and then we'll have our moment called a happy life, and we'll have the country we want in the long run. But you've got to be smart about it. I know there's one guy that we have on our show all the time that punched a guy right in the head, and I thought that was... Uh, as much as I can empathize with them, I don't think that's the right way to go because there's usually a hundred of them 
and they're armed with lawyers, and then they end up right. making you look bad. Right, they're armed with lawyers. They want you to just touch them. That's an assault. I know how it works. Brian, yeah. thanks for being with us, uh, fella. Glad uh, you're fired up about this, because we all are. Uh, Thank you, absolutely. Brian Kilby. Thanks, Stuart. Sure thing. one 866 krmg in Oklahoma is where we find Lee. Hey, Lee. Yeah, hey. Uh, you know, I was thinking you could have Don Jr. fill in for you. Just tell him to share what's on your mind, and three hours later, it'd be over. Oh, my goodness. Hey. Was he fired up or what? <laughs> I tried to interrupt no, him two or three time. times, but it's not like he's not giving good information. He's not repeating himself. It's good stuff. No, that's right. He's articulate. That's right. Hey, you know, Biden's uh, talking a great game right now that the polls are tightening up. He's talking about America safe from crime, uh, get rid of riot and, and looting. You may have said this, but I think we need to find out if Biden will encourage the governors to let Trump send in the Army Reserve. Exactly. So gung-ho on this. Well, let's ask him this. Uh, hey, I'll make it easier. You don't even have to tell Trump because you don't want to do that for political, uh, for political reasons. But how about this? I am absolutely outraged that Mayor Wheeler has not controlled the civil unrest in his city. I'm outraged that the governor, Governor Brown, will not control the, uh, the unrest in their cities. It's not fair to the good people of Oregon and Portland specifically. I am outraged that Seattle allowed a group of heretics to take over the center of that city and stop good men and women from running their business. And then when you make a speech that you're for law and order, I'll believe it. But I don't believe it for a second. It wasn't until the polls closed where he came out and gave this speech about being law and order and Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump's America. Now, Donald Trump reacted instinctively on Twitter the minute he saw it. He put uh, uh, federal agents in there to protect federal buildings. And then he realized, I got to be asked to get in there. So I'm not going to be the bad guy. You go ahead. You go go try to control your city, and when you don't, just know I will still bury my pride and allow you to use federal forces. But so far, they'd rather have turmoil, but now it's hurting Biden. I cannot wait to see how this plays out, because in the end, I just want those small businesses, good people, to win out, because they deserve better. They deserve better leadership, and hopefully, Republicans will make a real run at those spots. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. You're going to love my guest, John Levine. John wrote a book, excuse me, wrote a column uh, because he was able to get a whistleblower who has been cheating on elections, on mail-in ballots for years. In fact, he's trained other people to do it and it's been effective in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut. It's not great news, but it's news you need to know. How it's done, how to protect yourself from stopping it, to make sure your local officials uh, don't do some of the same things. So John's going to tell us what he learned. If you want to read the story ahead of time, go to New York Post and look up the Sunday article. His last name, L-E-V-I-N-E. Uh, the President of the United States is hours away from going to 
uh, Wisconsin, uh, the site of all that unrest, and they told him not to go. The mayor did. The governor did. The president's going anyway. I don't blame him. I think it's great. Joe Biden speaking yesterday in Pennsylvania at an abandoned warehouse where he did not take any questions, but talked about him being law and order and Donald Trump looking to inflame the country. And you have no choice but to get rid of him. I think there's some panic on his side, and I think the president, if he can keep his direction and keep the outside elements outside the best he can in the middle of a pandemic and an economic downturn, I think that he he is really on a roll right now. And I didn't think it was—I wasn't necessarily sure it was possible earlier. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You give a lot of money to Black Lives Matter— and it's sort of like paying your deeds or paying your, your money in church. Now you feel better about yourself. But do they track where that money goes, what that money has done for the African-American community? Do they ever track that or do they just feel good because they gave them money? Uh, that is Herschel Walker saying, yeah, we need racial justice in this country. But is Black Lives Matter, the organization, worth it? Even if you believe the words, I'm wondering that, too, especially when I see their role in the civil unrest and how well coordinated and in many cases, well armed they are. Number two. I am not banning fracking, no matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. Would there be any place for fracking in a Biden administration? No, we would we would work it out. No more, no new fracking. Can you imagine this guy in an unscripted situation? Can't even barely get it out. Of course there was fracking in Joe Biden's world, no fracking in Joe Biden's world. Who do you believe, the one who talked yesterday or the one who spoke for the last two and a half years? 2020, polls tighten and Biden strains to maintain his moderate Joe persona. We taped the debates, though, and Kamala Harris, we know what you said. We've been watching and listening, and you're hardly the law and order candidates, and you are hardly somebody that would keep up with any fossil fuels. Number one. The governor and the mayor of Kenosha are concerned that President Trump's visit there may raise tensions again in Kenosha, given the president's recent rhetoric about law and order. Now, those protests in Kenosha over the police shooting of Jacob Blake have largely calmed down, but that could change as President Trump arrives to meet with law enforcement and tour businesses that have been damaged. As I mentioned, President to Kenosha, despite an unwelcome at, as his law and order message seems to gain traction on the national stage, how does Joe Biden... It forced him to come out and speak out what the VP said, his refusals to answer reported questions, and the problem he faces with his base and the actions on his staff. So the president's going to be speaking today. He's going to be talking to law enforcement, touring some of the damage, uh, and meeting with some of the families and small business owners. He's not going to be meeting with Jacob Blake's family. He reached out. Uh, they talked to the pastor, to one of the family members, who basically said, if you're going to do this uh, and speak to the family or the, one of the parents— you got to do it with a lawyer present. President got a weird vibe and decided not to do it. I do think the president should be calling Tim Scott up and saying, let's re-roll out law enforcement enhancement reform, however you want to label it, lengthen the time of the academy, talk about modern policing today, provide the funds necessary, and get both sides on the same page. Because if you don't believe Joe Biden, he suddenly likes the cops too. So here is the president yesterday sitting down with Laura Ingram. And was asked about his supporters because after the unrest in Kenosha, one of his supporters, a few of his supporters showed up to protect small businesses and one ended up killing two people. But it might be, in fact, proven to be a self-defense move. Cut three. Do you want your supporters to confront 
the no, left-wing protesters, no. or do you want to leave it to law enforcement? No, I don't want them. I want to leave it to law enforcement. But my supporters are wonderful, hardworking, tremendous people, and they turn on their television set, and they look at a Portland, or they look at a Kenosha before I got involved and stopped it, or they look at Chicago, where 78 people were shot last weekend and numerous people died. Uh, or they look at New York, where violence is up by, like, what, 150 percent. It's up by a number that nobody — and people are leaving. They're looking at all of this, and they can't believe it. They can't. So Joe Biden comes out and says, I'm, I'm a law and order guy, and you know me. I'm not for these police shootings. Uh, here's what he said. Cut 11. We've seen again and again and again of unwarranted police shooting, excessive force, seven bullets in the back of Jacob Blake, knee on the neck of George Floyd, killing of Breonna Taylor in her own apartment, violence of extremists and opportunists, right-wing militias, rioting is not protesting, looting is not protesting, setting fires is not protesting. None of this is protesting. It's lawlessness plain and simple. And those who do it should be prosecuted. Now, let me ask you something. If you found out that people on your staff were providing money for those rioters who were arrested for their actions, would you be upset? Not Joe Biden, not a word. Kamala Harris urged, urged her staffers to do the same thing and her supporters to do the same thing. To me, don't tell me your law and order and helping rioters get out of prison. That means there's no hell to pay for your inaction. Remember, there's there's uh, good trouble. That's not good trouble, as John Lewis used to say. Uh, in terms of where the respect is going to go from cops, Joe Biden lost that. Suburban women who see this unrest, who are now for, go from urban to suburban, do you think they're going to remember that Donald Trump was president or they remember who was mayor and governor? I think it's the latter. Here's Trey Gowdy yesterday after the Joe Biden comments cut to I was not a huge supporter of President Obama. I thought he did a remarkable job healing our state and our country in the aftermath of the Mother Emanuel shooting. I'd say 80 percent of Americans do not view this issue as black and white, Republican, Democrat. It's an American issue. People of good conscience versus people who are not of good conscience. And people of good conscience didn't mind when President Obama came and helped us heal in Charleston. And I don't think they're going to mind if President Trump makes the effort to show respect to show respect uh, to Jacob, uh, Blake, and his family. Um, That's what presidents do. I think that's what they've always done until now. Uh, That's uh, the one strange thing that's happening, one of the many strange things that's happening. But for the most part, what we're seeing is Joe Biden trying to be moderate Joe. And you see the squad go quiet and Senator Sanders coming out saying that Joe Biden could be the most progressive president we ever had, almost indicating that the deal and the doctrine that they signed together that's posted on Joe Biden's website is something that's going to be enacted, which means goodbye fossil fuels. It means hello, Puerto Rico as a state. Hello, D.C. becoming a state. What's significant? They get four new senators. What is that? That's four new Democratic senators. What does that do? It balances the Senate forever in the for the foreseeable future in the Democrats' direction. The Supreme Court could be adding justices, let alone the one that we all know is going to be replaced. But my problem is, if Joe Biden wants to run as a moderate and is a moderate, game on. But if you're going to run as a moderate and you have no intention of governing that way, I got a huge problem with that. Donald Trump, like it or not, is doing exactly what he said, to the point where you want him to bend and compromise a little bit, and he hasn't. Here's Joe Biden. 
on what he said about fracking, which has everything to do with winning Pennsylvania and Ohio. Cut 21. I am not banning fracking. Let me say that again. I am not banning fracking, no matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. Now, when you talk about a left-wing agenda, when you talk about what you say as opposed to what you're going to do, this was just a year ago when Joe Biden's been asked about this. He's on the stage with all these lefty candidates, and he's doing terribly, by the way. Cut 22. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. Anybody who could go down 300 to 3,000 feet in the mine sure in hell can learn how to program as well. Give me a break. Anybody who can throw coal into a furnace can learn how to program, for God's sake. I'm talking about stopping fracking as soon as we possibly can. No ifs, buts, and maybes about it. I'm talking about speaking to try... Well, I'm not sure your proposal does that. No more, no new fracking. Okay. By the way, is this the stupidest thing you ever heard in your life? If you could walk downstairs, you can program. No, you can't. Everything takes talent. Oh, if you could walk downstairs, I could be an architect or an an astronaut. One, One thing has nothing to do with the other. You're telling people who shovel coal to go find a computer class. I mean, is this the person you want leading your country? Is that the exchange that you expect from a presidential candidate? And are we to believe what he says in the debates or are we to believe what he says now? Because he finds out law and order message is something the American people want to hear. I think people look around and say, who's around you? Does he want to take your guns? Joe Biden doesn't want to take your guns. But the guy who's going to be his gun czar does, Beto O'Rourke. Does Joe Biden want to take down the wall? No, I'm not going to add any wall. But you know who does? Beto O'Rourke, who's going to play a role in his administration. Do you, does he want to decriminalize border crossings? Not really. But his running mate does. So is she going to play a role? Is he going to ignore everybody that's around him, including a doctrine that he found that he signed with Senator Bernie Sanders, who up until the last six years was considered the joke of the Senate? No one wanted to hang out with him, stay with him, be with him, give him anything of prominence. But they were afraid of him because he was an independent and they know they could caucus with the right and switch the balance of some key bills. So they gave him chairmanships, like the one he totally screwed up with the Veterans Committee. And even John McCain admitted they both screwed it up and missed the whole VA scandal as it took root. So am I to believe Joe Biden when he says, I'm for law and order, and if you are out there rioting and looting, you should be prosecuted? Or am I to believe his running mate, who we vetted for eight months? Cut 28. They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's, they're not, this is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop. And, and everyone beware, because they're not going to stop. It is going to, they're not going to stop before election day in November, and they're not going to stop after election day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. And we should not. They're talking about the riots should not let up. And then she went out, as Tucker Carlson told us last night, and requested donations to those who were arrested. Cut 31. Biden's running mate, president-in-waiting Kamala Harris, openly solicited donations for rioters in Minneapolis. Quote, if you're able to, Harris tweeted in June, chip in now to the Minnesota Freedom Fund to help post bail for those protesting on the ground in Minnesota. Amazingly, that tweet is still up. At least 13 members of Joe Biden's staff sent money to the rioters in Minneapolis. So what did the Minnesota Freedom Fund do with the cash they got? 
Well, they freed a person who was being held for trying to kill the cops, murder them. They also bailed out an accused murderer and a twice convicted rapist, among many others. Okay. I, don't, I shouldn't need a press conference at a warehouse in Pennsylvania from Joe Biden, even though it was well-written and adequately delivered, to let me know that he's for law and order, not against the cops, while going out of the way to say there are bad cops and it's got to stop, because you should have been saying it along the way. And if you gave regular press conferences, you wouldn't need somebody to fill up your teleprompter. You'd be answering those questions instinctively. Sir, uh, Mr. Vice President, can you tell me what's going on in Portland with uh, Ted Wheeler saying that the— uh, showing up at the uh, civil unrest and saying that the, it's a peace, they're mostly peaceful protest, but yet all these people are hurt and all these buildings are defiled and all these, uh, all these others are arrested. He would say, no, no, I'm not for that. Instead, he just goes and disappears, and his silence is complicity. And lastly on this, in terms of his economic focus, he talks about taxing. All Democrats, too, is talk about taxing. The president's tax plan didn't give a tax break to the rich. It gave a tax break to corporations who hire people, and it was an incentive to bring these companies home. He wants these companies to come home. He's going to up those corporate rates, and he's going to hike taxes, much like the mayor of New York, who's supporting Biden. Listen to Mayor de Blasio talk about what's wrong in the inner city and what's wrong with his city here in New York. You really want to change things in this city? then everyone better change a lot of the way we live more foundationally. If you just talk about it and feel self-satisfied, God bless you. That's not actually going to change things. What changes things is redistribution of wealth. Uh, Tax the wealthy at a much higher level. And I just feel like this is a lot of cocktail party comfort going on rather than people honestly dealing with this issue. Help me tax the wealthy. Help me redistribute wealth. Help me build affordable housing in Uh, white communities, if you want desegregation. If you want Joe Biden, these are the people that are going to be in his ear. They're not going to be moderates. And that's Trump's challenge. Flush them out. And if America wants to uh, elect a left-wing candidate, they would have survived the primaries. And we would have been hearing more from the squad because even the squad knows they can't speak up because they would destroy Biden. 1-866-408-7669. one 408 A lot to discuss. I not even discussed Black Lives Matter yet. We'll get to that in just a moment. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. How the NFL and how individual teams decide, I think will be unique to each team. I think it will be unique to each team's core set of leaders and the way that they feel it's best to, to move forward towards progress and to move forward towards, you know, implementing a lot of the change that everyone is calling for. So I, I don't think anything's off the table, but I also haven't heard like a resounding kind of message or voice that that's something that's heavily being considered. Uh, So as I sit here today, I would be surprised, at least within the bubble I've been in, but I don't think anything should be taken off the table at this point. And I guess the question was, what about the Black Lives Matter boycotts by NFL players and how many will be taking a knee uh, in two weeks when they start playing real games? Well, they haven't even, not even any preseason games. My thought was, I thought they were keeping them in their locker room until after the national anthem was done. But now people are saying that's actually in play. Uh, the sentiment people, I think, agree with. 
you know, if there was a way to level the playing field more that we could start working on, that's why I thought that Tim Scott's uh, Tim Scott's legislation was so important. And I think that the president should bring that up right away because law enforcement also wants to improve. They want more academy time. They'd love to uh, talk about de-escalation techniques. Who wouldn't? You know, I talked to someone yesterday who has been, the, has, has been on the force 22 years. They have not been to any training since they left the academy, their rookie year, obviously, the rookie year, of course. Uh, none. I mean, who doesn't go back for retraining, look to improve? It doesn't even seem natural. So I think that all that stuff could be in without insulting anybody or anybody's profession. But the problem with Black Lives Matter is I'm seeing more of them in the middle of these skirmishes in all these cities, organized in some cases with people who claim to be from this organization. I read their website, and it gets me worried. It also gets Herschel Walker ready, worried. Cut 32. You give a lot of money to Black Lives Matter, and it's sort of like paying your deeds or paying your, your money in church. Now you feel better about yourself. But do they track where that money goes, what that money has done for the African-American community? Do they ever track that, or do they just feel good because they gave them money? Are we going to put different things on a helmet? You know, you're going to put uh, certain pe- people's name on a helmet, but do you know what he's done? Do you know what he's done before you put his name on a helmet? I mean, what you're talking about, too, is Jacob Blake, for example. He was violating a protection order, reportedly. Sexual assault charges. I feel terrible he was shot seven times. Probably shouldn't have been. But do I want him on my helmet? Uh, That's what Herschel Walker said. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We don't want a bunch of ballots floating around out there, Brian, because... In close states, that can really lead to a, a bad result. Governor, doesn't he know that? Of course he does. So why is he of doing it? He because it gives, he believes it may give an advantage in a state like New Jersey to his party because there's a million more Democrats than Republicans in New Jersey. And if you actually send people a ballot, whether they've asked for it or not, he says we've always had vote by mail. Well, yes, we've had vote by mail. No fault absentee, where if you want to vote by mail, you have to make a request to the county clerk yes. in writing with your signature. And then and only then do they send you a ballot. Chris Christie talking about New Jersey. He tried to clean up the ballots for eight years. He couldn't do it. And he can't believe that Governor Murphy is trying to do mail-in ballots because he's got to mail it out to old, older, uh, older old old voter rolls that are not going to be effective. Joining us now is John Levine. He's a New York Post writer. He wrote an article that captured national attention, Confessions of a Voter Fraud, uh, and it was from a whistleblower whose identity is not known, but he was a master at fixing mail-in ballots and one about step-by-step how he or she did it. John, welcome back. How are you, Brian? Thanks for having me. Good. Great job on television today. I want to see if we could continue to expand on that now. First off, Tell everybody the best you can without keeping the identity why you were convinced that this article was worth writing and that this guy knew what he was doing. Well, you know, I've been hearing about – we've all been hearing about voter fraud for a very, very long time. It's, it's kind of an old story. You know, Democrats say it's a myth and Republicans say it's rampant. And it kind of goes back and forth. And maybe every now and then you see an article here and there about like a very local situation. And, you know, you don't really know what to make of it. 
you know, and, and here, I, what made this really, really illuminating was it was sort of a straight from the horse's mouth account. This was a guy, and as again, I cannot reveal his name because, you know, there's, there, there's real fears of prosecution here, who, who came to me and laid it out and said, I've done this. I've done this for decades. And here it is. And I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And, you know, I've been up and down all the races in New Jersey from city council to Senate. And, you know, this is a person who it's, it's very easy to confirm. You know, he's he is. I said he's not a household name, but it's someone who is not a nobody in New Jersey. And um, just the level of detail and the level of specificity he was able to go into was, I think, well beyond what you see in most of these sort of voter fraud stories that come up from time to time. Because he, he had a level of firsthand knowledge that you haven't seen really anywhere else to date. And did he, is his motives the best you can ascertain? He wants it stopped? So if he thinks if he exposes it, people adjust? You know, it's, he, you know he told me he was, a, he was a Bernie person. You know, he sort of has no dog in the race now. And, you know, and he's, he's no Trump fan, I can tell you. But... Um, I, you know, as far as he said, his motives were he wants to fix it. He he is afraid. He's afraid of, of the legitimacy of the election. And he's afraid of a situation where, you know, you know, if, if either if Trump or Biden wins a state by 100,000 votes, then OK, you know, that's going to be pretty tough to switch with a mail-in a fraud kind of operation. But when you get down to a state by like 5,000, 3,000, 1,000, and remember, I know, you know, you're, you remember Florida 2000. It was like 5,000, 500 votes. Yeah. Um, you know, you can see swing states go on 500,000, 1,500 votes. And that's where someone like him and what he does can be very devastating. So Utah, he talks about he led teams of fraud teams yeah. and he personally did it himself. Some of the things the he said. Group. Yeah. Uh, he said uh, some of the things he did it in um, Pennsylvania, New York. Uh, as well as, uh, I believe, New Jersey. But, yeah, yeah Camden, New Jersey. As he, he mentioned some of the cities in Newark and Hudson County and Hoboken. So how would he do it? For example, if you have a mail-in ballot, what's susceptible, the envelope or the ballot, both? Well, you see, what's funny is he's like, the ballot is far more vulnerable than the actual envelope. Um, and so what happens is everyone gets mailed a ballot who wants the ballot, you know, in New Jersey. And... That's a public that's a matter of public records. You can find out who's been mailed a ballot. And then you just you go out with the operatives and you go, you knock on the doors and you come up with a, a sort of a reason to convince voters to let you sort of mail the ballot for them on their behalf. You know, and it's he said it was surprisingly easy to trick people into handing over completed ballots. You know, just for the convenience, I'll put it in the mailbox for you. And they take them home, they take them to a location, and they just steam the, ba- they steam the envelope open. They, they, they steam, that's what he said. And then it's just a question of taking out the ballot they filled out and putting in uh, a phony one. And these are not, this is, this is you know, it's, it's essentially Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I think we just lost you for a second. So he goes on to say a couple of things. So they steam it open and they change the ballot. Also, if you have a post, uh, you have a mail carrier that happens to be a Republican or Democrat and you're in a heavily Democrat or Republican area, you don't know what those ballots say, but you know one thing. If it's a heavy Republican area and you don't like Republicans, they're going to the garbage. If it's a heavy Democrat area and it's uh, a lot of Democrat ballots, they're going to the garbage. 
So this has happened before. So that's saying it could happen. It's happened. So if you win Wisconsin by 22,000 votes, if you win Michigan by a few thousand votes, if you win Pennsylvania by a few thousand votes, and they're coming in late, they're coming in a little different, uh, the envelope was going to be a Trump vote, you pick it out, the ballot was changed to a Biden vote, or vice versa. Overwhelming, the numbers are Biden, people who vote early by a small margin, they favor Trump. People who vote with the mail-in ballot favor by over 30 points, Joe Biden. So John Levine is here. So John, sorry, we got the call just dropped. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. We did, I actually heard the click. Uh, there's nothing you could do. So, all right. So the, where were we? we were, so we're you were talking about, about the ballots. You steam it. open. You steam it open, and then you yeah. change. You have fake ballots. Yeah, you just because you take a blank ballot, you go to Staples, you get the paper, and you run it through a copy machine. That's literally all he did. And then he would, you know, the, the original ballot goes in the garbage, and then the phony one goes in. And then you have to go to, like, all the mailboxes in town and sprinkle them in different mailboxes. And he, he says a guy he knows recently, you know, was busted because he, they did this routine, but then they made a mistake. They put 900 ballots in three mailboxes. Um, so, it was, it, you know, they, they realized something was screwy. And he was laughing. You know, I would never make that mistake. You've got to always sprinkle them around. So little details like that were just really revealing. So in the other part, you said, for example, nursing homes. They all get ballots. Yeah. And how are nursing homes susceptible? Well, you know, he, he, he said point blank, I've had nurses on the payroll. Nurses can be paid operatives. And, you know, every, you know nurses, nursing homes and, and, and senior centers, they request the mail-in ballots. And, you know, in, in many cases, you know, who even knows if the actual person requested the ballot? And the nurses sometimes just fill it out for them. And then they just hand over the ballot. And in that kind of a case, you don't even need to do the steam sort of situation because you've got a paid operative on the inside. What about homeless shelters? Homeless shelters are much more – see, he is, he's both a master of mail-in fraud but also just old-fashioned fraud. Homeless shelters are much are, are used for sort of the old-fashioned kind of fraud. So New Jersey, New York, and generally Pennsylvania doesn't require voter ID. So you just show up, and if there's a signature, sign a signature in the book, and then you and then you vote. And so, you know, homeless shelters, homeless residents are are registered wherever the shelter is, and you know it's it's very very easy to just sort of. You know, you, you, they, that you, you pay a homeless person 50 bucks and they'll vote the right way. And so that, that's an example of where – that's an example of where it's actually – they're not impersonating anybody, but it's essentially just bribing for a vote. But in other cases, it's also for impersonation. You know, you know I find out that Brian Kilmeade doesn't ever vote in municipal elections. He always skips the midterms. I can find that. That's public information. I just can send someone to vote in the midterms and say it's you, and I'm confident you're not going to show up because I know you never show up in midterms. I mean, it's your signature as best they can, and then in out. So, so your, your eyes were opened up with this. Uh, for those people who think it doesn't happen, all know, John, you feel very good that you while keeping the confidentiality that you, you're dealing with a real pro who is, oh, yeah. is a professional fraudulent voter. We couldn't have gotten into the weeds if this was not someone very serious, the way we got into the weeds. And the bottom line is I, I ended your story thinking we got to vote in person. Is that what people should be taking away if possible? 
Yeah, I think if you can vote in person, vote in person. That is the, that's the tried and true, the safest, the best way. Not everyone can vote in person. You know, there are going to be people who, for whatever reason, can't physically get out there. And, you know, for those people, I would say mail the ballot yourself and, and really just don't let, don't let it leave your hands. And if you have to have someone else do it for you, make sure it's a trusted person, not just someone who knocks on the door. Uh, yeah, don't ever give up your ballot. Thanks. Hey, John Levine, right. great job. Uh, read his story in the New York Post. You can get that online, too. Thanks, John. All right. Thank you. Confessions of a voter fraud. You just got the details. I know you feel a little bit worse about this, but we do, do want to expose it. When we come back, we'll find out if there's more to know and give you uh, a chance to speak out on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Many of you already know the story that Mr. Washington, when asked by Felicia Rashad to join her in assisting nine theater students from Howard University who had been accepted at the British Academy of Dramatic Acting in Oxford, he gracefully and privately agreed to contribute. As fate would have it, I was one of the students that he paid for. Imagine receiving the letter that your tuition for that summer was paid for and that your benefactor was none other than the dopest actor on the planet. There is no Black Panther without Denzel Washington. So Denzel Washington, I saw on Twitter, he said beyond words in grief with the, the death of, of Chadwick Boseman, Chad, Chadwick Boseman, who played the Black Panther and played Jackie Robinson was was unbelievable in Jackie Robinson show. Yeah, I didn't see that movie, but the, the story of how he got the um, scholarship from Denzel was he went to Howard and Felicia Rashad was his professor, um, you know, from the Cosby show. And when he got the um, scholarship to, sorry, to um, Oxford, she reached out to Denzel and Denzel funded him. And he didn't know until after he came back that it was Denzel who helped pay for him. Wow, that's amazing. You uh, would have waste 43 years old colon cancer. Uh, by all accounts, just a great guy. Uh, so I know Barack Obama thought he was unbelievably talented as well. If you watch him in the movies, uh, clearly he, he was. Well, let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Sylvester Stallone is scrapping Paulie's robot role in his new Rocky Ford director's cut that he's releasing. I'm not really sure why, but one thing that wasn't won't be in is Paulie's iconic maid robot. I didn't even think that was iconic. Do you remember that? Does anyone? You know, Pete's our resident Rocky expert. I, I don't think I've ever seen Rocky before. Sly made the announcement on Instagram saying he's going to be putting a director's cut of the 80s cult classic. Remember when he beat Dr- Ivan Drago uh, in the revenge after Apollo Creed got killed fighting Drago because he was all juiced up on steroids and the Russians cheated. And then later, the Soviet Union would fall apart. And I think it had a lot to do with Rocky Four. Well, you think the world revolves around Rocky, right? Right. I'm pretty convinced of it. Uh, so uh, that's going to be good. I actually did not really like Rocky Fa- Rocky Four. Rocky Five was terrible. Rocky Six, which was against Antonio Tauber, a real boxer, was interesting. And then they redid the whole thing with the Creed series. So good. We'll find out more. I can't wait. Next. 
The Big, Big Ten voted 11-3 to postpone their season. But lawyer Mike Flood says the Big Ten's decision-making process was flawed and ambiguous and called into question whether the league's Council of Presidents and Chancellors formally even voted on the decision. Quote, this decision did not occur in a vacuum. The decision not to play football has created a firestorm in the Big Ten, fanned by the fact that ACC, Big Ten, and SEC are playing and going ahead with plans for a season. So these are all the best schools anyway. The Big Ten should be playing. Come on. Agreed. And then Trump even tweeted about that this morning. He said he had a very productive conversation with Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, about immediately starting up Big Ten football would be good, great for everyone, players, fans, country. They're on the one-yard line. Wow. That's a change. You just give me new information. I didn't I, even know this. Okay, this is where we miscommunicated. Because you, when you mentioned the Big Ten earlier, I thought you were referencing it because Trump had just tweeted. Oh, did not know that. <laughs> Fantastic. Next, Will Smith and the cast of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air will tape a reunion special for HBO Max. HBO Max is also planning a reunion for the cast of Friends production, which has been delayed by the, uh, by the coronavirus, and The West Wing. So this is good, but it just shows there are no new ideas. There aren't, but I think actually the Fresh Prince, they're going to have another remake of the show. Sort of more of a drama. Really? Which I think will be cool. Apparently someone sent Will Smith this idea. Like, what if like you saw more of the drama behind what really led to it? And they're going to do it. I don't know where it's going to air, but I thought it was interesting. But I would say this. I didn't watch it when it was on, but it was in repeats when my kids were kids. And they watched it. It was on like a on a loop in my house. The great show. Positive show, right? Absolutely. And a great premise. And you could just see the talent of Will Smith back then. And the rest of the cast. I mean, so many people from that show have gone on to do other things. Next. The simulcast of the 2020 MTV Music Awards drew a 6.4 million total viewers on Sunday, counting the pre-show, main show, and encores, which is down 5% from the comparable 6.8. I have a VMAs without an audience. I don't even know. Video Music Awards? Does anyone care about videos anymore? No, I mean, you're watching them on YouTube, but you basically want to see the performers perform there. But, I mean, all award shows have been going down for years now. No, these these artists were able to come in, perform, and didn't have to quarantine? Because they're important, so they get the exemption. That's so important. Plus, I mean, the costume designers got to have some extra fun with all the masks. I heard. Next, Arnold Schwarzenegger is set to star in an upcoming action spy TV series for Skydance. In addition, Schwarzenegger will executive produce the untitled show. The action star is making his scripted television debut with his thriller, which includes a father and daughter in the center of the story. Okay, I'm going to need more details. As for all, Schwarzenegger's daughter on the upcoming series is unclear at the moment. So basically, we just have an announcement that he's going to do TV. Do you want to watch? Schwarzenegger's first time with scripted TV is no stranger to reality TV in 2015. Remember, he replaced Donald Trump on The Apprentice. And that did so well. It did. (laughs) Now for a story I find disgusting. Washburn University removed statues of controversial Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. This is, I didn't even know of Washburn University, but it's in Topeka, Kansas. They quietly removed the statues over concerns that they would be vandalized by protesters. According to a report by College Fix, this university removed statues of both men. The statues were donated by a Washburn alumnus were replaced with blue benches. What a waste. What kind of country are you in when you can't have a statue of Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson? Can I just say, in, with Benjamin Franklin, all he was was a genius who convinced the French to fight with us or else we don't beat the British, who was world-renowned for his intellect. He invented the wood-burning stove and the post office and the fire department. 
I mean, it goes on. And he was anti-slavery from day one. Day one. It makes no sense. Are they going to have an issue with the blue benches next? They're blue. Huh? What could they symbolize? To the cop. How dare you? I know. Find another element that I didn't. Twice you surprised me with stories. I should be the expert, Allison. You're welcome. Every now and then, Brian. All right. And Eric, thanks for staying out of this. Uh, hey, by the way, thanks so much for listening. Go to BrianKilby.com. Order Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. I'm going to go sign books today so I can personalize it today if you order it. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.